Hello and welcome to the seventh episode of my podcast. Thanks for downloading it and uh, taking the time to listen. And thanks again for all your nice messages. I'm glad you're enjoying this stuff because I'm enjoying doing it for you. This week, I'll tell you about the time me and Mrs. Boone met the killers and made a right couple of knobs of ourselves. How Pete Townsend has got the longest hallway in rock and roll, and he really loves his trees. And I'll tell you a tale involving one of Britain's biggest rock stars of all time, one of Britain's biggest TV presenters of all time, and a massive spliff. On every episode of the podcast, I like to pick a song that I've written over the years and tell you about how it came about, what inspired it, etc. Today, I'll be talking about a little song I wrote for a very successful children's TV show called NG Benji. And at the end of each podcast, I I'd like to leave you with a track from a new unsigned band or artist. Those of you who know me well know that I like to uh, help the next generation get on the ladder a little bit. This episode's unsigned band are a bunch of lads from Manchester called Hey Bulldog, who are amazing. If you're an unsigned band and you want to get in touch, the best way to do it is on Twitter, at The Real Boon. These podcasts are brought to you by Distorted Productions in association with Red's True Barbecue of Manchester. Okay, let's do it. Story time with Boone. With Red's True Barbecue. So me and Mrs Boone went seeing The Killers do a gig in Manchester at the arena in March of 2009. Now a few years earlier, my wife Charlie was uh, pregnant with our son Hector, so he's now nine years old. So around 2006, and it was one of those quirky little unexplainable things that happen to a woman when she's pregnant. Things that happen that just you can't, you can't account for really. So she started making up a little fantasy list of boyfriends in red, right? So she had these fantasy boyfriends. Just weird, weird isn't it? Anyway, so she don't mind me telling you, we, we still have a laugh about it. And on the list, amongst others, was Formula One racing driver Jensen Button, that bloke Lee Mead, who won the TV talent show to play the lead part in the stage show of Joseph and the Amazing Technical Dream Court, and Brandon Flowers of The Killers. I know, a bit of a mixed bunch on it, but as Mrs Boone explained at the time, it's okay, because they're all unobtainable, so it's all right. So anyway, we arrived at this gig at the arena, 2009, see the killers. And we did that thing where, you know, to save yourself having to keep walking back to the bar, because it's a long walk, in it, to your seats in a massive venue like that. So you neck a pint while you're at the bar, while the guy's serving the other drinks for you. So we're having a quick drink, and he's pouring the other four pints, you know, two each, for us to take back to our seats. So my brother-in-law, Ben, you know Ben the Grass, the one that was uh, in episode three, he grassed me up to my wife for stage diving at a Calvin Harris gig and seriously hurt himself. That's right, Ben, Ben the Grass. Well, he was working for TV chef Simon Rimmer at the time. He still does, in fact. And we ended up sat next to Simon and his wife, Ali, and we'd never met him before, so we introduced ourselves, watched the gig together, got more drinks, doubled up every time, like you do. Rimmer likes a drink as well. He won't mind me telling you that. And after the gig, we all headed backstage to meet the band. Now, at this point... Given me time over again, I think we should have left the building, got a taxi home, been sick in the front garden and gone to bed. We should have done that. But no, we went backstage, didn't we? Me, Rimmer and our wives. And they directed a massive indoor marquee behind the stage, sort of creating this really opulent and luxurious VIP area into which we staggered, bumping into each other on the way, like you do. Rimmer saying, you guys are bad. This is a school night. We shouldn't be doing this. Gets in there, free bar, brilliant, let's get stuck in. We're all a bit merry by now, you know what I mean? Then Mrs Boone spotted Brandon Flowers. And she's like, ah, oh, Clint, there's Brandon Flowers. There's Brandon, let's go, come on, let's go and introduce ourselves. Come on, let's go over. So he walks over to Brandon Flowers, like, beeline to him. And introduced myself, said, all right, brother, I'm Clint Boone, in Spiral Carpets. And he, he said, wow, great band, man. And I said, I also do the drive time show for XFM Manchester. Wow, great radio station, man. Like that, nice geezer. And I said, this is my wife, Charlie. And he says, hi, Charlie, great to meet you. Did you enjoy the gig? 
So at this point, Mrs. Boone's in heaven, you know what I mean? She, she is chuffed.com, right? <laughs> She's had the biggest crush on this bloke, Brandon, since the moment she first saw the killers on telly and that. And I think at that moment, if Brandon Flowers would have said to Mrs. Boone, hey, Charlie, how about you dump this pissed up loser, come back to Vegas with me, and we'll have shit loads of kids together. I think she would have done, I think she would have done one. Anyway, so the, the magic moments there, Brandon's talking to Mrs. Boone, and he asked her if she'd enjoyed the gig. And she replied something along the lines of, yeah, the gig was brilliant. I've been a fan of yours since your first record, but this is the first chance that I've ever had to see you because I'm usually either heavily pregnant, pregnant with severe morning sickness, sick drug by the bed, or I'm about to go into labour, actually in labour sometimes, changing shit in nappies or with the baby stuck to me, maybe breastfeeding like there's no tomorrow. So this is the first time I've had a chance to see you. So Brandon smiles like awkwardly, says, Nice meeting you guys, have a great night, and walks away. Just walks away from us. And as he walks away, I turn to Charlie. I said, well, I bet that was the right fucking turn on for him, on it? <laughs> so he's gone, and we are mooching around a bit more in this um, backstage area. Andy Roy was over chatting to him, and Ian McCulloch. Then I spotted the killer's guitarist, Dave, the, the guy with the, the massive hair. And I said to Charlie, yeah, guitarist is over there. Come on, let's go and talk to the guitarist. So he walks over to him, and he always reminds me of a lion, Dave. He's got like... That big, his hair looks like a big mane, doesn't it? And that jawbone, he's got his massive jawbone. In fact, I was looking at a picture of him the other day on my computer, and my boy Oscar, who's 11, he came up to me and said, is he, a, is he a DreamWorks character, Dad? But he does, he looks like a, he looks like a hero, doesn't he, out of a Disney film or a DreamWorks film. Anyway, so I'm, I'm there, I says, hi, Dave, my name's Clint, I'm in a band called Inspiral Carpets. And he do not look too impressed at all, really. And I said, great gig, that, mate, you smashed it there, didn't you? And he's smiling a little bit nodding a bit, but looking over my shoulder. And I'm thinking, he looks a bit distracted here. So I said to him, I'm losing you, aren't I, mate? I'm losing you. Glazing over, aren't you? Glazing over. I'll leave you to it, mate. Have a good night. And I turned to Charlie. I said, he's glazing over, isn't he? <laughs> Look, he's glazing over. Let's fuck off. <laughs> so anyway, it was only the next day when I was looking at pictures of the killers that I realised that that's Dave's natural expression, isn't it? It's a bit like he's in a dream, like stirring off into space a bit. And I felt really bad, actually. There's me, I'm losing you, mate. Aren't you glazing over? And I'm like, what Bellend. Anyway, so if you're listening, Dave, my, my apologies. Uh, blame it on Rimmer. That's what I said. Blame it on Rimmer. Interesting fact about guitar legend Pete Townsend, he's got a really long hallway in his house. I've not been, it's not that he's not, not actually invited me, I'm sure he will do one day, but I was talking to him on the phone, right, he was at home, I was presenting an award-worthy radio show at the time, and we were chatting about the Quadrophenia stage show, which was touring in the UK a few years ago, and Pete was a big supporter of it, and he helped the actors and musicians pull it all together and that. So we're having this chat on the phone, and halfway through the conversation, he says... Hang on, mate, there's someone knocking on my front door. So he puts the phone down and he walks off down the hall and you can hear his footsteps. He's like... It goes on forever. <laughs> and he keeps going on. I'm thinking, God, that's a long hallway. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> it's called this, isn't it? And eventually, you can hear in the distance, like this creaking of a door. I'm not going to do it. But the door, you can hear this door open. And then a few more steps. So I'm thinking that must be his vestibule. Because <laughs> he's in the who and he's bound to have a vestibule, isn't he, Pete Townsend? So anyway, it's what they call it, that, that bit at the front of the house, like a hallway. You've got your way. Porch, like a massive porch. So, and I can hear him talking at distances, like little jibber-jabber, two blocks, and a little chat to her, probably in the vestibule. And then I hear the door shutting, and then the footsteps coming back. Oh, the massive corridor like that, the big hallway. <laughs> it comes back, picks full up, he says, Sorry about that, mate. I said, it's all right, no problem. That means Pete Townsend. I'm not going to start saying, well, you're a bit out of order there, mate, walking off in the middle of our conversation, leaving me waiting here. Who do you think? I'm not going to say that, am I? It's Pete Townsend, isn't it? I could take all day if it wants. So I said, who was it? He says, it was a bloke asking if I wanted my trees cutting down. And I said, what did you say? He said, I told him to fuck off. <laughs> anyway, the point of the story is, Pete Townsend has got the longest doorway in rock and roll. And he loves these trees. It's official. Well-known children's television presenter John Craven started coming to Inspiral Carpets gigs in the early 90s. Mainly because his daughter Vicky was a massive fan. She'd be about 16 at the time, I'm guessing. And we'd been in touch with Vicky by uh, fan mail. She used to write letters to us and she told us that John was her dad. I'm like, cool, brilliant. Anyway, so when we were down the neck of the woods, like Norwich, East Anglia, maybe Oxford, that sort of area, John would often bring Vicky along and generally chaperone her through the evening and that. And John was famous at the time for his John Craven's Newsround TV show, which a whole generation of British kids like me had grown up with. And he was one of those sort of guiding light characters on telly. You know, you'd see him on telly, you'd never get to meet him. But he had a way of making you feel sort of safe, you know, like everything's going to be okay, despite the horrific news that I've just told you about. You know, massive earthquake wipes out half of South America. But it's all right, because this classroom full of eight-year-olds in Leamington Spa have built a massive replica of the space shuttle using nothing but lolly sticks. You know what I mean? Stories like that. Or someone's tried to assassinate the Pope. But look at this, a panda that talks. And he'd be there talking to a fucking panda or something. All right, John, well, I come from Germany and I love bamboo shoots. You know, that kind of, it's bizarre, tell it, but it's brilliant. And in 1990s, TV show Countryfile was one of the most popular TV shows on British television. And he always wore mad jumpers too. That was the other thing he was famous for. <laughs> These loud jumpers, you know what I mean? And it was funny on Countryfile, if you ever watched it, he presented it with two other people. There's a bloke and a woman that presented it with him. And the other two would get all the all the tough jobs, you know, all the hard stuff like, oh, this farm's riddled with foot and mouth disease and all these cattle are about to get slaughtered. And the woman presenter would be up a mountain somewhere like hanging onto a piece of rope talking about people nicking eagles' eggs or something. And John Craven would be at some real ale festival, you know, necking pints of beer and dancing with Morris dancers, pie in his hand and that. <laughs> or sat on some old steam train somewhere like lording it up. Proper grafter, you know, a lot like our Rody at the time, Noel Gallagher, who is the other main character in this story. Now, I remember the first time I met John Craven, we were doing a gig and I've got it in my head, it was Norwich, it was somewhere down there. And we'd done our sound check and we're hanging out in the dressing room and we knew that Vicky was coming. We'd put her on the guest list, Vicky Craven plus one. But we didn't know who she was bringing. We thought she might just bring one of her mates or something. And we never met John. Just let her plane go past. <laughs> I'm sat here with a fucking umbrella to help the acoustics. What must I look like? 
where did it all go wrong? <laughs> so the Inspirals and crew are chilling out in the dressing room, drinking beer, eating nuts and shit, whatever else. And as usual, our Rody Knoll was in the process of building a massive spliff. It was one of his skills, one of the things he was really good at. Getting other people to do all the hard work and building spliffs, that's what he was good at. <laughs> So the Norwich Super Spliff is fully assembled and ready for action. Noel gets his lighter out, massive flame, sparks it up and that. And there's a knock on the dressing room door, like that. Come in, Vicky Craven walks in, right? Hi, Vicky. Followed by everyone's favourite TV presenter, Mr John Craven, OBE. At which point Noel Gallagher came out with one of my favourite quotes of all time. Ah, Mr Craven, would you like a suck on this? <laughs> and Mr Craven smiled and gallantly declined, and even if he had taken a little talk on Mr Gallagher's bifter, I'd never tell you, would I? Part of me likes to imagine a parallel universe in which John Craven's doppelganger gladly accepts the offer of smoking some gange and then starts getting stuck into everything else that's knocking about. Come on, lads, what are we on? <laughs> Turns up the next day battered at the beeb with a talking panda. So on every episode, I like to talk about a particular song that I've written at some point in my career and tell you how it came about, what inspired it. When I was on my arse in 1996-97, I started DJing at a place called the Fab Cafe in Manchester. Well, I was, I was, I was struggling at the time. I mean, the Inspirals had split up in 95 and I was signing on for a bit. I had, I had no money coming in. And I started DJing at a place called the Fab Cafe in Manchester because I really liked the venue and I, I loved the people that managed it. And it was a science fiction theme bar they have like um, a Dalek and a, an Ice Warrior off Doctor Who. In fact, that Ice Warrior it stood next to the door as you were going out. It was on the right-hand side of the door. And there was a bit of a tradition in Manchester where people used to punch the Ice Warrior in the face on the way out. You'd hear it go in the face. And Steve Petrico, the owner, would be like that. You wouldn't punch it if it was a real Ice Warrior, would you? Anyway, so it's also the venue, the Fab Cafe, where I met uh, Mrs. Boone. She wasn't Mrs. Boone, I met her, but she was the future Mrs. Boone. That happened in the Fab Cafe in Manchester. And one night when I was DJing, a guy came over and introduced himself to me and he told me that his name was Chris and that he was a producer at the Manchester-based animation company Cosgrove Hall. They were massive at the time. They'd made Danger Mouse and it was a huge success, this uh, animation show they made. And at some point in their lives, both John Squire of the Stone Roses and Bernard Sumner of New Order have worked at Cosgrove Hall. And Chris explained he was currently working on a, a pilot for a kid's TV show called NG Benji, and it was a stop-frame animation series. This is before everything went CGI and went weird. I mean, have you seen Noddy recently? Noddy, the CGI version, horrible, isn't it? So it was a stop-frame animation series about this boy with blue hair who's an engine doctor in a surreal sort of marzipan sort of world. That sounds exactly like a line from an Happy Monday song, that, doesn't it? So Chris asked me if I'd be up for writing a theme tune for this TV show, and I said, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had time on my hands. I had a nice little home studio, and I was on my arse, so the money would have been handy, you know what I mean? And the programme was created by a lovely lady called Bridget Appleby, and I started meeting with Bridget three or four times a week in the, in the, in the early part to get my head around what Engie was all about. So he's got blue hair and he mends engines. 
there you go. And in, in Engie's world, there's all these characters and each character has a, a vehicle. So Farmer Fred has got a tractor and the tractor's called Tractor. Astronaut Al's got a rocket and it's called Rocket. And then there's Dottie. She's got a double-decker bus. Can you guess what it's called? It's called Bus. So I, I started writing all these songs for the Engie Benji world in general. And I even auditioned to be the voice of Engie Benji because at the beginning... They didn't have a voice for it. I think some woman had voiced it and they said, do you fancy doing the voice for Engie? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Come on, let's try it. And it seemed like a really good idea at the time. The voiceover session went really well. But when we watched it back, it was weird. It just sounded like some sort of pervert with blue hair. And the big scoop for Cosgrove All and ITV came when they persuaded Anton Deck to provide the voices for the main characters. So Engie and uh, his beloved dog, Jollop. And Les Dennis came on board as well doing the voice for Astronaut Al. So my voiceover talents weren't needed on that occasion, but the theme tune, which I wrote and sung, was an instant hit. With everybody at Cosgrove, all they loved it, ITV loved it, and the nation's preschool kids in general seemed to love it as well. So I spent many months after that working on the rest of the Engie Benji album. I wrote about 14 or 15 songs altogether. So I wrote songs for each of the characters and for most of the vehicles as well. So like there's one called Trucks Are Good, there's one called Dan Dan, Amazing Van, and The Jollop Jump, it's all this kind of stuff. And it's brilliant. I, I still consider it to be the best work I've ever created. And a few of the Engie Benji tracks did get released on a five-track CD that you could buy at the stage show, which travelled the UK um, around 2003, I think it was. But the album pretty much remains on a shelf somewhere in ITV. I do, I do have the master tapes here. Watch this space for more news on that one. I want to get that album out at some point soon. And on one of these podcasts, I promised to tell you the story about the time when uh, I took Sean Ryder and his family to the Engie Benji stage show. Wow, that's a story, I tell you. <laughs> and the Engie Benji theme tune, it's probably the easiest song I've ever written and it's also probably the most lucrative piece of music I've ever created. At one point, the TV show was being shown in around 70 countries around the world and in a lot of those countries, it was voiced by different singers in the native language because if they didn't want the English version, they did their own. So on one occasion, for example, this was funny, me and Mrs Boone checked into a hotel in Spain. I was doing a DJ gig over there. Put the TV on and there's Engie Benji with some Spanish bloke singing the, the Spanish version of if you're an astronaut or a pilot, a farmer, fisherman, motorbike rider, he can make your engine go, he can make your engine go, and something like that, you know what I mean? It's like some Spanish bloke singing it, and I'm still there like that. Kitchen, get that minibar open, Charlie Boone. <laughs> Just a couple of days ago, we heard the devastating news of the tragic car accident which killed all four members of the band Viola Beach and the manager out in Sweden. They were all from Warrington, which is just outside Manchester, and were serious on the verge of great things. They were due to fly out to Texas in a few weeks to play at the South by Southwest Festival, and that would have been the first visit to the United States. The trip to Sweden 
was the first gig outside the UK. They'd played in Stockholm just a few hours before the accident. And I wanted to close this episode of my podcast by talking about my feelings when I heard the news. I am a musician and I've spent 30 years or so travelling to and from gigs all over the world. And there's always that fear at the back of your mind that something like this might happen. In fact, my band, The Clint Green Experience, had a very serious motorway accident in 1999, which ended up with the two bus which I was driving, seven other people inside it, overturning several times on a, a motorway in Scotland. And the accident was caused by a design flaw, apparently. And thankfully, we all survived, despite some very serious injuries at the time. Now, the last message I put up on Twitter on Saturday night, this is before the news came through about Viola Beach. I put a little tweet up on, on Twitter with a photograph of my little boys, Oscar and Hector, who've just started the first band. Oscar's 11, Hector's 9. And they've got the friend Keegan on drums. And I took this picture, and they're all there in the... Uh, bedroom jamming away and I was so proud and excited that that moment has arrived hence me wanting to share that moment with the world which I did on Twitter and the next message that I posted on Twitter was the morning after so Sunday morning I woke up to the news about what happened to Viola Beach and I tweeted about it and seeing those two messages side by side in my timeline it sends a shiver down my spine and I know that people die in car accidents every day every hour somewhere in the world and it's always nothing short of a tragedy but when it happens to a bunch of young lads from your part of the world that are in a band with the, the world at their feet and all the same hopes and dreams and ambitions that me and my band had all those years ago it touches you in a different way and, and my heart absolutely goes out to all the families and friends of those boys and Craig the manager and words can't always help ease the pain but I can try when I was young after I decided to get into music after I started putting bands together I had one ambition just one ambition and that was to make a record just one record would have been enough a single an album whatever that's all I want just make a record and it's an undescribable feeling when it finally happens after Years of writing, usually, and recording and gigging, one day it's there in your hands, you've got a CD with your name on it, your picture on it, or a vinyl. You've done it. Holding the first record I ever played on, the Inspiral's first single, it's just one of the high points of my life, more so than headlining Reading later on, the Reading Festival. Seeing the effect that your music has on a room full of people, that's another one, isn't it? A gig, you know, people dancing to songs or guitar riffs or drum patterns that you've written in your bedroom with your mates. There's nothing like it. And then there's hearing your music on the radio for the first time. That is such a massive moment in any band's story. And when you get on your first aeroplane to go and do a gig, that is immense, I tell you. And without wanting to trivialise the tragic deaths of those five young men, there's something there. They, they, they've already achieved some great things. Some of their dreams had already come true because of their dedication and passion. They made those dreams come true. They were doing what kids in every street, in every town all over the world dream of doing. They were doing what I did. They are doing what I still do sometimes. They were doing what I want my boys to do. They were doing what I want my little boys to do. And seeing the outpouring of love since the accident happened and seeing the effect the music of Viola Beach is now having on people who never heard of them before last weekend, it can only help ease some of the pain that the families are feeling. And as I mentioned in one of my previous podcasts, my wife and I lost a child a few years ago in completely different circumstances to this. We do know some of what those families are going through and it can be a long and dark road ahead. But at every step of our journey, we felt the love and the strength of people around us, you know, people we knew, people we loved, and total strangers too. It all helps. And people do want to help each other, don't they? It's generally in our nature. And that's all we can do. Show them love and play those Viola Beach records really loud. Feeling the light, the breeze, the sun is shining, and all you see is squint trying to 
Okay, it's time for me to get off. Thanks again for downloading this podcast. If you like it, please subscribe. And don't forget there's a Spotify playlist which I put together for each episode where you'll find complete versions of the songs uh, on the podcast. And there's other tracks on there as well, which this episode has inspired me to dig out. Thanks again to Red's True Barbecue and Distorted Productions for helping this crazy thing to happen. You can follow me on Twitter at TheRealBoon. It's always nice to finish each episode of my podcast with an unsigned band or artist. This week it's another band from Manchester. They're called Hey Bulldog. They're starting to get noticed by the people at Six Music and Radio X and uh, several influential journalists are getting behind them. You can find them online at hey-bulldog.com. That's the website. Or on Twitter at Hey Bulldog. And they're also on SoundCloud as well. This track was recorded at Crack Studios in Manchester and I, I absolutely love it. It's psychedelic. It's rocky. It reminds me of Artwind in a funny sort of way. Lots of love to you all. I'll leave you with this. Hey, Bulldog, under my spell. Storytime with Boone with Red's True Barbecue. Subscribe now on iTunes. <laughs>